Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I'm so glad that you're joining me today, and I'm excited to continue our walk through the book of Acts. We are um, we're getting into God's Word so we can get it into our lives and into the world uh, around us as we get it out of our lives, as we live it out and and uh, we're we're growing in our faith and really looking at the um, the the early church and 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 a lot of people will say well we need to get back to the early church I'm telling you as you look at what it was like you know it was not uh, all you know sunshine and uh, and and roses there were some there were some challenges that they faced in fact there was a lot of persecution. That was taking place, and I mean, we just got off in, in of the uh, story in Acts chapter fourteen of uh, Paul being stoned, uh, and so you know he is facing imminent death, and yet uh, it's through those difficult times that that your faith grows, that that you grow, and um, and so we're all going to face those difficult times. And we need to make sure that we are growing strong in the process, that we are making, we are preparing ourselves, strengthening our lives so that we can face whatever may come. Because if you're not strong, if you're not uh, solid, then when those uh, waves of, of persecution come, the waves of discouragement and doubt come, that's when you get knocked over. So how do you strengthen your life? How do you get stronger? And, um, you know, the two ways that we do this is with, uh, just like with our body, our body, in order to get stronger, we need both diet and exercise. It's that intake, uh, what we're receiving in, and it's the the effort and that we're uh, exerting to move our bodies and to, to grow stronger uh, intentionally. It doesn't happen by accident. So our bodies get stronger by our diet and exercise, what we eat and what we do. Well, in the same way, the church gets stronger by uh, by what we eat, uh, by receiving the Word of God, uh, and, and then also by what we do, how we live it out, outside of our lives. And uh, we see this here in Acts chapter 14. We know this is so important because it is true that in our church today at large, in the world, the church is lacking in two great areas. One is uh, evangelism in reaching the world, reaching uh, the lost world, unbelievers. We've got to We've got to be intentional about doing that. We can't just insulate and isolate ourselves 
from people. We're called to, to make a difference in the world and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And it's by uh, then discipling uh, believers, growing stronger, strengthening the church. And uh, so we're, it's not either or. Some churches, you know, they may say, well, we're all about reaching people for Christ. And uh, that's great. You know, you've got to do that. But then you also, what do you do with them once you have them? You need to, uh, you need to go and, uh, and, and disciple them. And that's the, that's the great commission of Jesus. We'll read that here in just a minute. But um, we see that it's not multiple choice. It's both and, not either or. And our first priority as a church, the main thing, we say, I got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Well, what is the main thing? It is to reach people with the good news of the gospel of Jesus, uh, and then also to make disciples. So we see in verse 21 of Acts chapter 14, it says that they, Paul and Barnabas, they preached the gospel in that city, and they won a large number of disciples. It's interesting, you know, they didn't just call them Christians, uh, they called them disciples. Dis a disciple is someone who is learning and growing and actually following Christ. So there's two uh, two things we need to see here. First, they preached the gospel, um, and and this is what Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty. He said, "Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit," and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So it's it's making disciples, making new um, converts to Christianity, and then also not stopping there, but teaching them to obey uh, everything that Jesus commanded. And that is the fullness of the Word of God, uh, because all, all Scripture is God-breathed. And so... so we teach that. We teach people what it means and how to live it out. Uh, but then also we see that their ministry was to not only to, to preach the gospel so that people could respond and follow after Jesus, but then to make disciples out of them. And we've seen this process in 2 Timothy 2.2. Many times I'll read this um, to, to illustrate the four generations that are that are just encapsulated in this verse. And the things Paul says, you have heard me say. So it goes from Paul to Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, uh, in trust to reliable people. So there's the third generation who will also be qualified to teach others. There's the fourth generation. And this is how the work gets done. We pass it on in a way that it can be passed on to others. You remember the, um, I think it was the Breck hair commercial back in the day. You probably don't remember because it was a long time ago, but some of you will remember, uh, you know, uh, I told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends and pretty soon your whole screen, the whole screen was filled with, um, with people. And it's the power of multiplication. Um, I had a professor uh, in, in seminary and he was an author. He was actually pretty well known and I was really uh, excited to get to be in his evangelism classes. And he wrote this in a book called The Taste of Joy. He said, many Christians are only, check this out, 
Christaholics and not disciples. <clears throat> disciples, he says, are cross-bearers. They seek Christ. Christaholics seek happiness. Disciples dare to discipline themselves, and the demands they place on themselves leave them enjoying the happiness of their growth. Christaholics are escapists looking for a shortcut to nirvana. Like drug addicts, they're trying to bomb out of their depressing world. He says there's no automatic joy. Christ is not a happiness capsule or a happiness pill. He is the way to the Father, but the way to the Father is not a carnival ride in which we sit and do nothing while we're whisked through various spiritual sensations. Many people are looking for an escape. They're looking for uh, a microwave uh, mentality of, of you know joy and fulfill, personal fulfillment. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to follow Jesus is to look at what these early Christians did. They faced problems and, and persecution. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's part of it. And yet through it, Jesus says, I am with you through it. My favorite definition of discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, what it is going to mean for you is that you consistently, daily say yes to Jesus. You say yes to him and you do what he wants you to do today um, and be obedient. And as you exercise that faith muscle, you exercise that obedience, trusting him day after day, you're going to look back on your life and you're going to go, wow, I've grown. I'm getting into the word of God and I'm learning. And, you know, even when we're uh, on our sick bed uh, and you don't feel like it, you can you can turn on the Bible uh, app, listen to the word of God, get that in your life. Uh, it's strengthening you as you get it into your life, encouraging you. We're going to talk about encouragement as well. Let's look at the second priority to... Um, strengthen the it's strengthening the churches okay it, we've we've got to do this check it out in in verse 21 it goes on i just read the first part of acts 14 21 but it goes on and it says then they returned to lystra iconium and antioch strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith and check this out this is what we're talking about we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of god they said that's a different message than the one we hear, the feel good, um, you know, name and claim it. No, he says, we've got to go through some hardships. Um, and that's part of it. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed to them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. So part of, of strengthening churches is to raise up leaders. You have to identify leaders. You raise up leaders. And listen, it's not always the people who jump up at the chance and say, hey, I want to be a leader around here. Many people, they're looking for a title. The way we identify leaders is who's serving faithfully, who's consistently saying yes. And so I've said many times, if you want to be a leader, here's a broom, you know, uh, pick up the broom, pick up the towel. That's the mark of true leadership. Um, and, and then, uh, let's see. 
at, in verse 24, after going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. And when they preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. They are consistently, what are they doing? Going and, and sharing the word of God. Going as you go, telling people about Jesus. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So they were committed to finish the work, even though they were going through persecution, even though not everybody liked the message. You know, they said, we're going to stay faithful in spite of the reaction. Not everybody that hears is going to respond in a positive way. But, uh, but it is exciting when you see people coming to Christ and they're seeing this happen. Um, and, and, you know, many times the people who are, who are most receptive, they'll respond first. And then you've got a bunch of people and they're skeptics or they're, they're um, antagonistic, you know, against the message. And so it's better to strike while the iron is hot to, uh, to do this with a sense of urgency. The longer you wait, the, the harder it is to reach people. We've got to do it now. Um, and, and then, and because when, you know, new things grow, that's, that's just a principle. New things grow. There's that excitement of something new. Um, but also it's harder to disciple people than it is to lead them to Christ. You know, you can lead people to Christ by having a, a big evangelistic service and, and drawing a crowd and people will respond, but then you've got to, uh, you've got to consistently help people make decisions in their life to to allow God to to begin changing some areas of your life, maybe some areas that you want to hold on to that you don't want to let go of, changing your thinking of some beliefs that are misguided or just flat out wrong. Uh, and it takes a long time. Like I said, it's a long obedience in the same direction. You're dealing with the same people over and over. And so you got to work through all kinds of relationship um, challenges because, you know, people, uh, we get in conflict with each other. So we got to have lots of forgiveness if we're going to continue to disciple people and people are different from each other. Uh, people are at different levels of spiritual growth and not everybody's going to get it immediately. So it takes time and it takes working through your feelings. It takes different levels of commitment. It's, it is just challenging when you get into the weeds of discipling people. Um, uh, well, we're let me let me just talk about when Paul, uh, when he left Derby, he could have gone on toward Tarsus, um, but when he started preaching, he 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 had started in his own hometown, and uh, there's this there's always this pull to go home and to to see uh, the people, perhaps even that you grow up with, but. Paul knew that the new churches that he had just started had a greater need. And so he went back to the churches that he had just started to help to strengthen them. I can relate to that because honestly, you know, I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to be back in my own hometown and be able to reach those people that I went to school with? Um, but 
at the same time, I know that God brought me to a specific place, and he brought me to this area that is south of Austin in Texas, in Hayes County, and this is where he's called me to, uh, to, to serve and to make a difference right here. And um, so what did, what did Paul do? He, he was uh, strengthening the new believers. He was encouraging. I said we we're going to talk about encouragement. And as I say, people need massive doses of encouragement. You know, nobody's ever going to say, oh, you stop encouraging me. I'm, 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 and encourage, that word encourage means to be filled with courage. And um, so Paul is saying, is helping them continue in the faith. That's more than just the initial belief. That's going the distance. That's holding on to your faith. And, and that means that, um, that we need to hold on to those basic truths of the Word of God um, to, to understand what we believe and why we believe it um, and why it's true. Uh, that is something that we're called to do, that we, that we do not um, waver in that. In fact, Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, so uh, when we understand that Christ has set us free and we're not, um, we're not bound by the law, but we've been forgiven, and yet we begin to live for God, not out of, not out of, uh, the, the motivation of trying to make ourselves right with God or out of the motivation of trying to uh, trying to um, sa- be saved by our own works, but the motivation of, wow, God has uh, loved me so much that he has saved me. And now my response to him is to respond to him in obedience and to not let anything push me uh, away, not to let anything discourage me or or uh, or draw me away from my first love of Jesus. Uh, he also warns them about the persecution that that you are going to face. You're going to face some some problems in life. It is a part of life, and it's a part of life for believers. And so, uh, you know, when somebody tells you, if some you hear some pastor say, "Hey," You just trust Jesus and nothing will ever go wrong in your life. You'll never get sick. You'll never uh, have any any, uh, financial problems, any of that. Listen, they are lying to you. That's just simply not true. The truth is, yes, we will face problems, but Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. And, um, And Jesus even says, hey, they persecuted me. They crucified Jesus. So we're going to face similar kind, not, not similar in the sense that we're going to be crucified. Let's, let's hope uh, that's not the case, but that we will face problems. Um, so, you know, in our own country, uh, we pray many times that we won't have to face problems. And in the rest of the world, Christians are praying, instead of um, praying that, that the burden of suffering is lifted from them, in other countries, they pray, God, give us stronger backs. Give us more strength so we can stand up under the weight of whatever suffering 
we um, we are facing, and um, that it's why many times we want to sort of uh, just amuse ourselves with uh, with television and movies and entertainment rather than going out and going where people are hurting and getting our hands dirty and serving others as God has called us to do. Um, you know, here's the thing about suffering, though. This is what's so great, is that our, the promise of God is that He's going to bring us through that, that we will not be overcome by persecution, but instead God has uh, God will hold on to us through it, and He's got a great future planned, um, a great eternity planned for us. And um, Hebrews 13, 6 says, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? It's like um, Glenn Campbell before he died as he had... Uh, no, 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 that's not Glenn Campbell. I think it was... Uh, it's a Vince Gill song, actually, that that is called uh, Threaten Me With Heaven. You know, that what a great title. Threaten Me With Heaven. It's like, what are you going to do to me? You know, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay? So if you threaten to take my life, what? I'm going to be with Jesus for eternity? Praise God for that. So so that's something to hold on to. You know, somebody, I'm going to, you know, Anyway, I, I hate to even say that, but, you know, if somebody's threatening you, you're like, you're threatening me with heaven. It's no threat at all. I'm, I win. It's a win-win for believers. I hope you're following me on that. Okay. And then there was the, uh, one way they strengthened the church was to have or organization and structure in place. And that's something that gets a bad rap, I think, today as people are like, you know, they say, I don't like organized religion. And I have a joke where I say, look, if you don't like organized religion, you'll love our church, which is the Connection Church. You'll love it because, you know, we're so disorganized. But in reality, there is a structure in place. And there's a there's a, a method behind the the madness of it all. We have a structure and, and it's a simple structure, but it's one that uh, helps to facilitate and uh, move us forward in the mission that God has called us to, and um, and so and, and then in verse twenty four, we see that they were continuing to to go and, and share the word of God, um, and, and as they were doing that, you know they were very busy. They they stayed very busy, and sometimes it's good. You know, sometimes busyness is just busy work. But listen, as a believer, you should never be bored. You should never be bored because uh, there's always more work to do. There's always someone that you can reach out to, someone that you can pray for, someone, something that you can do to serve someone else. And that's how Paul and Barnabas were in 2 Timothy 4.2. It says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So that's in season when it's, you know, time and when it's not, whenever it is, you have an opportunity to make a difference with your life. And then another thing we see here that's so cool is that they actually, in verse 26, they go back to the, what would be called the mother church in Antioch, and they give this missions report. And they called the whole church together and they talked to them about 
all the, the, the things that, that God had done through them on this mission trip and, um, and, and celebrated. They told the good, the bad, and the ugly. That, you know, yes, we almost died, but yes, many people were saved. And yes, uh, many churches were started. And all of this good work is being done, and it's something to celebrate. We actually, as a church, I'm looking forward to, to a couple, in a couple weeks, we're having missions Sunday. And we've got one of our missionaries from India who is coming in. Uh, Pastor Abraham Thomas, he's coming in to share with us about the work he's been doing. We're going to celebrate the mission work that's happening through the Connection Church around the world. So we, it's important that we take time to, to hear those reports. And all of us are called to, uh, to be missionaries wherever you're at, wherever you go. Um, and and so, so Paul and Barnabas, what did they do? They spent a long time in Antioch. They, uh, they encouraged the, the believers there. They grew in their relationships. They were ministering. Um, they were doing both. They were refresh. They were resting from all the, the things that they had gone and done, but they were also continuing to serve. You know, there's a lot of people who, who they want to take a break from ministry. You know, ministry really, it should, um, it should uh, fire you up when you're doing what God has created you to do. Um, but, you know, you do have to pace yourself and do it at a pace that is sustainable for the long run. But it's not mutually exclusive to, to, to rest, renew your soul, and also serve. Um, so in verse 28, this last verse, it says that they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And from that, I just want to encourage you um, in your life, as you serve God, maintain a sustainable pace, you know, be intentional. Yes, you've got a, a job to do. Yes, you've got a family. And yes, you want to be serving the Lord through all of that. Uh, you've got to be growing yourself because you're never going to take somebody to a place that you're not. You don't want to fake it. You've got to have soul health. And so that's why they rested. And as they were connecting with the Christians there, they were growing together. This is what we call relational discipleship. And that's one of the greatest ways to grow is through intentional conversations about the Word of God. I love that they stayed there a long time because I think about a lot of pastors who they, um, you know, they're just so itinerant, uh, so uh, mobile, I suppose, that um, that they go to a church for a couple of years and they move on to the next, move on to the next. You know, I'll tell you honestly, if you're still with me, I'll just tell you, um, you know, that was sort of, the, that's sort of the the growth plan or uh, the career path of most pastors. It's like, you know, you you go to a church where you're pastoring a group of 100 people for a while, and then you go to a church where you're pastoring maybe 200 people for a while, and then you move to a church where you're pastoring 400 people for a while, you know, 600, 800, and move on up. And, you know, and that's the way that many pastors do it. And in the process, you know, they get bigger salaries or whatever it is. Um and, you know, I actually kind of did the opposite of that because I was uh, pastoring this church in, in Luling um, where we had about, you know, 400 people 
at that church. And I, I was working on my doctorate. And when I got that doctorate, I actually just jumped off of the career ladder and moved to uh, Hayes County, moved to, to Kyle and Buda and started a church from scratch rather than, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to go now with this doctorate and go to this church where I can, uh, you know, get go, get a bigger church or a bigger salary. I said, let's just start this thing from from scratch and see what God is going to do. And, um, you know, they say that you don't actually start as a pastor. You don't start pastoring people until you've been with them for some, I've heard five years, I've heard eight years, which means most pastors never actually pastor people. It takes time to gain trust. It takes time to, um, you know, get to know people. And so, uh, so most people, you know, they've pastored uh, for, let's say they've pastored for, 20 years, but they've been at 10 different churches, you know, for two years each. So I'd say, no, you haven't pastored for 20 years. You pastored for two years, just over and over and over again, rather than saying, I'm going to invest and see what God's going to do over the long haul. And I think as members of churches, it's important that we do that too, because when we cut and run and we go to another place, we're shortchanging and shortcutting the work of God that he wants to do through the relationships that we have and the growth that we can have as followers of Jesus. And just want to end with this story. I actually um, was telling someone this the other day, and, and I think it's so important when we think about reaching people for Jesus, and we think, you know, we, we live in a very lost world. There's so many people to be reached. We see these missionaries that were going and telling people, and really they turn, they change the, the world because of their faithfulness. But um, but there's a story that's told of, of a little boy who was watching this man on the beach as he picked up starfish. There were, there were millions of starfish that had been washed up onto the beach one morning. And those starfish would die and they'd bake in the heat of the sun. So the boy's watching this man. He's walking along the beach and he picks up a single starfish. And throws it in the water. And then he walks along and he picks up another one. He throws it in the water. And the little boy says, why, why are you doing that? You're never going to be able to pick up all of these starfish. You're never going to be able to save all of them. And he says, um, he says, well, it makes a, I can make a difference with this one. And he picks up one and throws it in. I can make a difference with this one. And I think that's the way we need to approach um, both reaching people and, and discipling people. I can make a difference for this one. The way we approach serving people and loving people, I can make a difference for this one. What difference does it make if I speak up at the grocery store and share um, Jesus and share the, the hope of Jesus or share an invite to my church uh, with someone that I run into in our community? Uh, what difference does it make if we uh, consistently share the message of Jesus uh, what difference does it make if we support missionaries, if we give sacrificially, if I give money? You know, what difference am I making? You are making a world of difference. You are making a world of difference, and we do it one life at a time. Uh, people come to Jesus one by one, just like the starfish that are thrown back into the sea, one by one by one. People hear and receive and respond 
by hearing the good news of Jesus as we are obedient to tell it. And so as you do the, the diet, the exercise, as you receive and you grow, and as you go out and you tell, lives are being changed and the church is being strengthened. So thank you so much for watching today. I hope that you have a blessed uh, day and a great rest of the week. And I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.